What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of In Conversation With. I'm your host, Dre, and uh, this episode today is is a special one for me. It, it allows me to kind of go back and talk to one of my good friends from back in the day. We see, uh, we grew up together in the same neighborhood. Uh, we used to run around and play. Uh, my buddy, Aman, um, you know, I remember my earliest memory with him was playing in the basement, playing uh, in Nintendo 64. He had Star Wars, I think it was, and I had never seen that game before, and he gave me the controller during one of the boss levels, and I freaked out and, like, threw it away or something. It was really funny. So it's good to have those memories, but Amon and I reconnected a few years back, maybe, like, five, six years ago. You know, you grow up, you're an adult, that kind of thing, and um, I was doing a TV show at the time. We talk about this during the episode, and him and his brother had a clothing line, and he's like, yo, can we sponsor you and kind of get our stuff out there? And that was it. And life is funny like that. Like sometimes you talk to people, sometimes you don't talk to people, but you always end up reconnecting. Like whatever is meant for you is meant for you. And we've been friends ever since. And, and you know, I've been to his wedding. I've been to his brother's wedding. Um, he's definitely going to be at mine one day. And um, yeah, we get to talk about a lot of really cool things. He's met Floyd Mayweather. Uh, he has a, f- a few photos with him. He's done some work with him. He's done some stuff with um, Warren Buffett. He's met him. Uh, his brother is a super talented artist. He's done all kinds of stuff for the Raptors and the Oilers and it's been flown out to LA and Dubai and all kinds of places. So we get into all of that. Uh, but mostly we get into believing in yourself, setting goals, moving forward, regardless of any setbacks. And it's the kind of conversation I like to have. It's the kind of con- kind of conversation I like to have with my friends. And Aman is definitely a person that I look up to in this space where somebody who just says, F it, I'm going to do it. I don't really care. And I'm really glad we got to talk about these things because we didn't really have an opportunity to talk about this stuff before. So uh, enjoy the episode. He's one of my good friends, and I hope uh, you guys can all follow him. And and when the episode is finished, you can go to our uh, Facebook page, In Conversation with Dre, and I write some reviews and some key takeaways on the episode. So definitely check that out. And, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Thanks again. Peace. What's up, everybody? We are back into another episode of In Conversation with Dre, and I'm sitting down with with my buddy Amon. We uh, what's going on, man? We go way back. We go decades back, man. Not just way back. We go decades. What is this? Almost like two decades going towards three, something like that. Um, and and like I guess we can like chat about that a little bit. Like grew up in the same neighborhood. Shout out Dolly Varden. Bellmere's finest. Uh, And then like, you know, you moved out to Edmonton. We grew up. We didn't talk for a bit. That's just like how life works. And then like, life is funny, man. Social media, man. Social media is what reconnected me with you and, and many others from back in the day. And there's days where I hate it, but then there's days where I keep it primarily because of the connection, right? Like if nowadays, if you don't have someone's phone number, you connect with them through social media. Yeah, exactly. And and I believe it was I was doing a TV show at the time on the dot, and yeah. you would you would hit me up. You're like, "Yo, my brother and I got this clothing line. Wondering if we could do some kind of sponsorship thing with you, 
whatever it is and and yeah it's funny because like i still remember like uh like that hat that we had provided you like it made its way all the way to jamaica and like yeah that just still like sits with me that like the hats or the products that we've like handed out to you and others have gone literally on travels around the world that you're just blessed and fortunate to see that at some point or another someone's rocking your gear around the world yeah yeah it is and you know and like through that experience like through creating and what this is really is like we're two people we're hardworking. we're from the same kind of area immigrant parents maybe that's like something that has to do with it like immigrant parents that just put something in you first generation you're in canada like yo we our parents we can't fail them like we did a good job like they did a good job bringing us here and like we can't fail them for any reason move move that mantle forward right like failure is not an option like whatever trials difficulties whatever you go through like i think the thing that i connect with you the most is that optimism you're we're both naturally optimistic towards whatever the scenarios may be like yeah. life is obviously not a linear line it's always like peaks and valleys and ebbs and flows but it's that optimism that keeps i think both of us in check with what what, what we got going on and in relation to like what may not be in our possession right now we still are optimistic with how we may get to that point exactly exactly and 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 on that note there's so much that we could talk about i want to get into all of the different things that that you've done but one thing that i really really appreciate about you and one thing that i'd like to get into with you today is you're probably one of the hardest workers i know just somebody who's that's a humble thing to say man (laughs) but i appreciate it Probably, sure you know, many others, but I appreciate that comment. Hey, look, man, I know a lot of hard workers, you know, uh, I like to consider myself a hard worker as well, you know, but just in the time that we've like reconnected in our 20s and 30s, I've seen you take pictures with Floyd Mayweather, you know, I've seen your brother do some art for Disney's painting Maseratis, you've done stuff with Connor McDavid and the Oilers. Um Hey, shout out to uh, shout out to the fact that you even remember the guy's name for a guy out in Toronto recognizing talent hey, is, is what it is. Hey, look, man, I know hockey. Okay, Connor McDavid, he's <laughs> he's good, man. He's uh, I like when I play NHL, I play with the Oilers because I like using I like using Connor McDavid. I'm not I'm not joking. Yeah. It's hard to <laughs> it's hard to use somebody who's like hockey's a different sport because I play a lot of basketball, right? Two uh, K. Yeah, hockey's like you got to give it to the person who's the playmaker and then like they'll do the, their thing with it. In basketball, it's like you pass, 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 shoot. Yeah. You have a guy in the corner. like Sidebar, 2K on the new PlayStation 5, I totally hate it. Like I just feel like because there's no competition from any other like like game, they've just dropped down in their like uh, intent to actually do anything worthwhile. But yeah, getting back to like the conversation. Do you, do you have PS5? my brother does okay um, so yeah. he dropped it off like the other day and i was just kind of like fooling around with it and i don't know man like it's a lot of hype like i didn't noticeably see anything different with like the, the graphics yeah it loads much quicker but like yeah. I, I was playing it and like it's not something that i'm gonna go and spend like 800 on like nothing that like i'm missing out on to be honest maybe i'm becoming an older person but <laughs> i don't know I, um, yeah, I'm not excited for 2K21. 2K20 is okay. I think they stopped trying after like 2K15, really. They just kind of like, they're like, all right, we're done here. Like we, we're, nobody's messing with us. They don't do any marketing because everybody does their, you know, it's just, that's it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so Floyd Mayweather, 
Conor McGregor, Conor McDavid, sorry, Conor McDavid. That I'm sure everybody makes that mistake. Um, what what is the thing that like drives you? Because I just feel like you're so freaking driven and you're just constantly working on yourself, constantly doing new things. Like, what's your objective here? What's the thing that keeps driving you forward? It's just honestly like the drive for the memories and the experiences. Cause like we can get caught up in like the dollars and cents behind every like venture or opportunity that may come your way. But like many people say, it's like, if you don't enjoy the journey in the process of it all, then you're not, you're going to be missing out on so many experiences. And, and what, what we all have at the end of the day is when we go to bed, when we, when we're in our thoughts, it's those memories. And if I don't achieve anything else in my life, I can still go back to my memory bank and be like, shit, I've met XYZ people. I've been to different, different venues, different sites. And those things are always going to be in my, in my memory bank. And yeah, obviously we, we all want to hit those, like those status classes or tiers and like, like the economic bracket. But what drives me is primarily just that experience, the journey, and just having fun with it, whatever it may be, whether that's creative, whether that's career path, just enjoy it. Because like they say, you get one chance at this life. And if we're always going to be finding like things to get, get down on ourselves on, then life itself is going to become miserable. So just enjoy the journey. That's my biggest thing. That That's what keeps me like driven that I want to enjoy this second. Like I, I, I've been really focusing, like since like when my dad passed and a few other people passed away, like, I look at my life in 24 hour blocks. I go to sleep for eight, I go to work for eight. Now I got a few hours left in my day. How do I make sure that I utilize each of those hours and minutes and seconds? And that's what gives me that like that passion and that drive that if something that I do today is going to benefit me for tomorrow, then just focus on today. Whatever's gonna come will come. Just focus on today and then the rest is just gonna be putting on top. Exactly, exactly. And thanks for breaking that down. And I realize that because I know you, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. People listening to this might be like, so what does this guy do? Who's this guy exactly? Who's his brother? What's this Floyd? What? Yeah. Maybe give me a quick breakdown into what you've done, what you're doing, what your brother does, what you're into, what you're, you know, that kind of thing. So this was like years ago, probably almost like 10 years ago. I was still in like my undergrad program. I, I went to Saskatchewan for university. So shout out to Saskatoon. I love the people there. But every so often, whenever I would come back home, I would just like be on my brother's laptop, just like checking out pictures and whatnot. And I kept seeing all these cool designs. And I'm a super picky like shopper when it comes to buying clothing or anything like that. And I was asking him, I'm like, yo, who's designing all these shirts? Like, these are wicked designs. And he's like, oh, it's me. I just fool around and I put some stuff together on Photoshop. And this was probably like 2010. And I was just like, yo, why don't we like just come up with a name, put it out, just see what happens. And like they say, if it hits on the internet, the, the world is going to want it, like including your local city. And so he came up with the name Monster Clothing. And I was thinking, I was like, yeah, that's a cool, like cool name. But because there's monster energy drink, there's monster, the resume builder and monster like headphones and all of that. I was like, let's go with the French way. Cause we're French uh, with our like our official languages in Canada. So we went with the most and our tagline was in us all. And that's what kind of like created this whole storyline where when we put it on the internet, we created this kind of like, um, like background story that everyone has this 
as we believe an inner monster that allows you to reach your full potential, whatever that may be, whether that's career, whether that's academics, whether that's like creative. And when we put it on the internet, we started to get like likes and followers and comments that, hey, I want to buy this. Um, then we got an invitation to uh, a trade show out in Vegas. And this was, I think, 2012. Yeah. And next thing you know, we spent 10 grand US. That was the most we've ever spent at that time. We took a huge gamble thinking that like, let's just go and do this. My brother at that time was still kind of like dabbling in like being like a fine artist and like a live artist type of thing. And so I figured I was like, we have the art, but everybody, sorry, we have the clothing, but everybody at this venue will have clothing as well. What do we do to separate ourselves from everybody else that's there? And so I was like, yo, you should bring all your art stuff, bring your brushes, bring your paint. Um, and let's go like do live art plus the clothing. Getting our stuff across the border was an issue in itself because we brought like a full on two like hockey bag of duffels like filled of clothes. And I had to convince the border security agent that, hey, this is just for donation. You know, I had to finesse the system a little bit and, and extend the truth. But we ultimately got it to Vegas. And from that point, honestly, like that was like almost the turning point because the who's who was there at this event. It was the magic trade show. We got uh, bumped into everyone from CJ Watson to Danny Green to um, Mike Tyson's people walked by and they went crazy when they saw some of the art. And well, we're in Vegas. Everybody knew, knows that it's like, if you're in Vegas, like that's Floyd, Floyd Mayweather's town. And he was preparing for a fight. I think it was like the Canelo fight at that time. And so I thought about it. I was like, I was like, if there's a way that we can get to his gym, if there's a way that we can get connected with him, that in itself can create like a relationship that may not be like returning the fruits of labor now, but maybe down the road, if we keep some sort of like open relationship with him. And so like, I'm a guy that like can end up talking and becoming best friends with the tree. Like I just talk, I'm a very extrovert personality. My brother's very introvert. And so I was the hustler I was the communicator I was the bridge for the for the connection that were being established while my brother was just doing his thing with his art and one thing led to another where we got introduced to Zab Judah's younger brother Joe Judah shout out to Joe and he's like yo you guys need to bring your shit to Floyd's gym tonight uh and I'll introduce you to him and so that's exactly what we did. We showed up at like 1030 at night after spending 12 hours at the at the booth. So we were there from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Then went right to Floyd's gym after we got a, a quick bite. And he was just crazy. Like, it was crazy because like <laughs> Floyd already had known that we were like these kids from Canada were on their way to see you. And so he actually waited for us and the thing that like blew my mind was he was more excited to hear about our story and what we were doing in Vegas than us actually meeting him. And as they say, that was like the, 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 the tipping point, because as soon as he gave us love and showed us like, like, I, I appreciate your hustle. And, and he's, he asked about the brand and what it's all about. And I told him the quick tagline that, that we believe everybody has this inner monster and he immediately gravitated towards it. And he's like, I, I can fuck with that because I had to go through that myself where I had to get into a state of mind to believe that I was going to be the best ever. And 
he's like, I can see why everything is leading towards this. And so he gave us a hint. He's like, you guys need to come here. Like, as long as you're in town, come to my gym after your shit. And then on the Monday, be here before like 5 p.m. So my brother was only supposed to be there for two days. He quit his job at TD Bank. Shout out to TD. It was a great job, but he needed to quit. Um, and I ended, extended my trip using like some sick leave. And so one thing led to another and I'm meeting fucking Warren Buffett at his gym on that Monday. And you got to understand the demographics of that gym is visible minorities taking over. And so when I walked into that gym, I was like, okay, there's black, there's browns, there's a couple handful of Asian people. And who is this old white guy? And I'm just like racking my brain. No one really knew who he was. He's just sitting there like inconspicuously, like as if like he's not the billion, like one of the richest person people on earth. Right. And so it just clicked. I'm like, that's Warren Buffett. That's why Floyd told us to come to the gym. And so I went up professional as ever. I'm like, hi, Mr. Warren, Mr. Buffett. Like, it's an absolute pleasure to meet you. Uh, we're here for this trade show. We're here from Canada. I'd love to take a picture with you. And as I'm doing that, I gave him my business card, which I really hope he still has. And uh, <laughs> next thing you know, like, as I'm walking away, I get a picture with him, myself and my brother. I overheard him. He's like, oh, I want to wear a hat. Everyone here is wearing a hat. I want to wear a hat. And at that time, my cousin was there and he was wearing one of our Le Monster hats. And I was just like, yo, if you, you want to meet Warren, he's like, yeah, of course I do. I was like, you got to give him, you got to offer him your hat. And he's like, man, I can't do that. That's Warren Buffett. Like, I can't do something like that. I was like, no, no, we have to do that. And so I went up, introduced him, and I'm like, hey, Mr. Buffett, this is my cousin. He's a medical student, yada, yada, yada. And then I kind of nudged in. I'm like, yo, time to offer him. And he's like, hey, Mr. Buffett, do you want to wear my hat? And so he's like, you want to wear, uh, you, you're offering me your hat? Hell yeah, I'll wear your hat. You want to wear my glasses? So we have a picture, <laughs> the best marketing thing that we can ever have of having Warren Buffett wearing our hat and my cousin wearing his glasses. And honestly, that was like the, the fuel for the rocket ship for us and, and primarily my brother, where from that we got extreme utmost confidence in ourselves, in our in our craft and, and the skills that my brother has where we've been very, very knock on wood, fortunate and blessed where we've worked with almost all of the Toronto Raptors plus the organization for individual arts, for organ team organizational arts. My brother was flown out to the Raptors playoff games against uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers when they made it to the conference finals to do some live art activation. Um, he's done some work with um, the Oilers organization at Glenn Sather's retirement uh, banner raising thing. And go down the list, like we've, we've really been fortunate that I'm a big believer in timing. And, and that was kind of like the moment where things started to fall in place. And and we've kind of been growing from there. Um, I still got a nine to five, so I can't say I do this like on, on a full-time thing. Like I'm I'm also a big believer of having multiple sources of income. And until obviously things continue to grow, I work right now with the city of Edmonton. I'm a strategic coordinator for corporate strategy. So helping with like policy and budgets and all that cool nine to five stuff. But 
Yeah, it's been it's been one hell of a ride, man. And obviously, I was very fortunate to convince you back in the day to come to LA with us. And <laughs> that's a story that we can get into down the road. Yeah, LA, yeah, LA was fun. Um, thanks for breaking that down. That's a great story, and I'm so proud of you guys for just going with it and sticking with it. And because I learned a lot from that, you know, you telling me like, yeah, we just went and we spent all this money. I remember you telling me like, yo, it's gonna be this much. I'm like. Are, are you going to do it? Like, where are you going to spend yeah. 10K? Like, all right, do it. And that and at that time, the US dollar to the Canadian was like... It was bad. 10K was like almost like 14, 15K. It was bad, yeah. But what was wild was we came out with like, I think maybe like $1,000 profit. So we made all our money back and a little bit more. But That's it was, amazing. It was the fact that we made all those relationships where like not to brag or anything, but like if I was to just go through the contact list or just go through the memory bank of pictures, like those are the things that are worth like, like it's like, like there's no dollar value that I can put to it. Cause like, mm. it's just one of those things that like, like we've been fortunate to accomplish and, and be a part of things that in some cases, like you can never do. And, and, and you only are able to achieve that through like, like like what Fred Van Vliet does, right? Bet on yourself. Like you really got to bet on yourself to like hit those goals or, or like aspirations. Because like I've always been a big believer that we shoot for like the fucking stars, shoot for the universe. Because like even if you fall in between like wherever, you're still doing better than where you are, than where you could have been if you just kind of remained like like very like uh, in a soft approach. Like I'm like not stagnant. saying like stagnant yeah that's the best way the best approach i'm everything about my life has been avoid stagnation from i had a permanent job like when i mean permanent like indeterminate like with the government of canada like there is nothing that i could have done that would have ever gotten me fired if it was obviously other than espionage or some crazy shit like that i i felt stagnant in that role that i was in and so i left same thing with where i was before and and my career is like like you got to take some chances on yourself because if you don't trust yourself or if you don't believe in yourself, I'd always say this. And I've told this to you many times that if you don't believe in yourself, how do you get others to believe in yourself? Like believe in you, like whether that's asking them for investments, whether that's asking them for like guidance, you got to believe wholeheartedly in yourself before you can get anybody else to believe in you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, um, that's something that I take from you as well. And that's something that I take from the story. Like I'm a person who believes in, in themselves, like, even doing this podcast, yeah. doing the TV show that that we spoke about, like who from where we're from, think about it, right? Like who from where we're from decided like, oh, I want to want to have my own TV show and then writes one and then yeah. gets it onto TV and now it's airing nationally. Like that's, I just, you got to believe in yourself to do things. 100%. You got to bet on yourself, man, because who else is going to do that for you? Nobody. And if you don't believe in yourself, no one's going to believe in you, right? Straight so up. That's just where it comes from. Um. So you went to, you went to, we well, sorry, you didn't go to LA. We went to LA in a second, but you, you went to Las Vegas, another LA. You went to Las Vegas, met Floyd, met Warren Buffett. You took your clothing line down there. You and your brother kind of, kind of launched La Monstra, launched your brother's career. Now he's doing yeah. his own thing. He's doing his art thing. Maybe I could talk to him at some point. Sure. Um, you come back, you, you get uh, a, a, a LinkedIn DM from, some guy, I think that's how the story goes. You you got a LinkedIn DM from somebody yeah, in LA. Yeah, he, yeah. he he said, hey, I want you to help me with this event. Talk to me about that story. 
So yeah, so this was I think 2014, give or oh, 20, take. Yeah, so, 2014. Yeah, 2014. And so at that time, there was a, a like a, it was a professional NFL player whose daughter was going through like uh, some heavy stage, like I think stage two, stage three cancer, and it, it got mainstream. It got like the attention of LeBron James and some major other athletes and entertainers like Puff Daddy and whatnot. Oh, sorry, right. P Diddy. P Diddy. Um, <laughs> And As so, of right now, it's P. Diddy. Tomorrow it might be something else. Yeah, and so the guy reached out and he sent me this like pretty nice, well done deck. And he's like, "Hey, like I'm helping him put together this like fundraiser, and and it was close to our hearts because like our dad passed away from lung cancer, and so we're like, okay, anything related to cancer, like it'll just like have a little bit more attention towards us. And obviously, when it's like a child, you're just like, okay, shit, like." am I a bad guy for saying no? So we were like, okay, let's just kind of like <laughs> listen into this. And, and the pitch was great. Like he must've put in time into it. And he's, he was telling us that he's got like, he's a, like an, a producer or some sort of executive in like Hollywood. And I was like, Hey, like maybe this could be like a way to like have another intro and an avenue into like, into like that scene and go from there. And so I commit. And when I committed, I was just like, I, I want to have this like documented. I want to have my boys there. I want to have like people that were like with me. And so I reached out to you <laughs> and I was like, Andre, this, there's this event, there's X, Y, Z happening. I sent you some information. We're going to be yeah. doing some live art. Would you want to join in? And obviously you have uh. your, your background in production. So I was just like, there might be a chance where you can kind of like open up that Avenue even more so out in LA. Yeah. Um, and I did a good job pitching you because you were like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, you did. I'm, and, and also it's L.A. So L.A. is part of the pitch. Exactly. Like, hey, I, no, I've never been there. I, you know, West Coast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It might be fun. Sure. Why not? And I had never been to L.A., let alone California or anything. West so Coast. I like, so I was just like, shit, let's do this. And yeah. so we get there. Uh, and I, we also convinced another good friend of ours, Jamal Singh Kitts. Shout out to Jamal. Shout out to, to Jamal. Come through. Uh, he was with uh, two guys that were still hella, hella talented musicians, yeah. rappers, and they were going to do the live music. My brother's going to do live art. You were going to do some production. I was thinking, fuck, this is going to be like the tri the trifecta. We're going to have all three things going. And then right. when we got there, that's when we realized there's a lot of gaziness happening in L.A., you want to go into this or do, should I? Continue? We we don't we don't need to go into this. It's it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you know we got we just realized that not everybody in LA is uh, what they appear to be, or or who they say they are. Exactly. But and but our optimism and our drive is what turned that into a one eighty. We end up still doing the event. We ended mm -hmm. up hustling to get a taco booth or a taco truck outside taco truck, of our yeah. outside of our thing. Yeah. Our venue. Um, we had. Leslie Rosales, she's uh, a manager for a number of different like musicians. She used to work with Nas at the time. Came out to our event. Uh, we ended up going to Baron Davis's crib in his like studios. Like we took a shit Which is situation crazy. and we added some flavor to it. And so, and that's the thing that like that's life, right? Like we have these expectations that like it's gonna go perfect and all of that. And when it doesn't, it's it's the person. Like, how do you take a situation that clearly you're disappointed? Because I punched a wall. I punched a hole in the wall when I saw the venue. So I was upset. You did. 
but how do, how do how, <laughs> how do you take a shitty situation and how do you find the silver lining and we did and and it was something that honest honest to god i'll i'll do it 10 times out of 10 times i'll always do that i'll always take that trip again because those memories are what we always laugh laugh at at the at the end of the day and it gives us that like experience that if we can do it there we can do this shit anywhere yeah and i mean i don't know if i'll do that again because my wallet <laughs> might have yeah. something my wallet yeah. might have something to say about that but uh <laughs> the but airbnb was a trip too airbnb two bedroom or three yeah two bedroom house was it a two bedroom i think there was like so, four of us in one room i remember yeah, so yeah. yeah i'm sure it was a two bedroom <laughs> it was a two bedroom. eight guys two bedroom apartment we weren't even supposed to be there neighbors are looking at us like who are these guys what are they doing here a bunch of black guys and <laughs> sneaking in through the garage a bunch of black yeah. guys in this like white neighborhood it's like okay this is not it was in right. west hollywood so it was uh definitely one of the more upper classes uh of hollywood yeah by, uh a few um what's it called uh like synagogues so like we at least knew that it was that's safe right and secure, but that's yeah we definitely uh we definitely stood out <laughs> yeah that's for sure um but yeah but like in in all of these stories i think the lessons are just believe in yourself bet on yourself go in head first and make the most of it no matter what happens 100%, and 100%. it takes us it takes a certain person to want to do that and I don't know if you've always been that kind of person. I haven't always been that kind of person. It just takes maybe one experience. And then you're like, oh, maybe I could do this again. So like, let's go back. And and how, was there a time in your life where you thought of, I, I think I can do this. And then you tried it and you're like, oh, if I just believe in myself, then maybe I can actually do things. Like, is there is there a, part, is there a time in your life that you can kind of pinpoint and like, yes, that. I what, think what, honestly, like I've been working since like, I think I was like in like grade seven or grade eight, like different jobs. And the one job where I had to like sell, sell was when I worked at Future Shop. Mm -hmm. And there was like, almost like a moment of like, uh, like where I like conviction or something where I had a basketball game earlier in the day and then I had to go to work. And so I had to almost switch up my mind state that I was focusing on the game and then I had to come to work and I had to sell. And so that was almost that point where I was just like, yo, like I can still do multiple things and still be good at them. As long as like, I have that focus and just the experience of working, being around so many different people um, and adjusting like what you're taught, what you're presenting about to your targeted audience. That's just given me that, that experience where I am today. And, I think that would be probably like one of the the moments where if I look back now, like what kind of like made me think, okay, I can, I can do something. I, I have this gift of gab. What can I do with it? And obviously sales is a given. Like if you're a good communicator, you can sell. Mm -hmm. And if I can't, if I can sell a product, why can't I sell myself? Mm -hmm. Like not like sell my soul or anything, but I'm <laughs> saying like sell myself to like the, the greater, greater public. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't think anybody was thinking sell your soul. Yeah. I don't think anybody went there. Yeah, I guess. Walking in the background. Oh, hey, hey, wife, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean, I and the reason I'm asking is because for me, I can pinpoint exactly when it was, and I was about 12 years old, and it was the summer, and I remember thinking, I have so much energy, I want to work, I want to make money, but I can't. I'm 12, and in Ontario, you got to be think 16, I think it is, to 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 work legally. 
or to get, get paid employed. Yeah. So I was, I just finished, I used to, you know, mow the lawn, obviously uh, my parents' house. And then I'm across the street talking to one of the neighbors and I'm just kind of, kind of thinking like, just t- talking, speaking out loud, like, Oh, you know, what, what could I do? I wonder what I can do. I don't know. I don't know. And then he's like, he looks over at my lawn and he's like, well, you did a really good job mowing the lawn. Why don't you mow lawns? And I'm like, of course. And I remember yeah. what I, what I thought in that moment was, no one can stop me. No one can tell me that I can't do this. So what did I do that day? I grabbed the lawnmower. I went door to door, knocking on every door. And I said, hey, can I mow your lawn for 20 bucks? Hey, can I mow your lawn for 20 bucks? And I got a couple no's and I got a couple yeses. Yeah. And I did that all summer. And then in the winter, I did that shoveling driveways. You know, it's funny, like that story reminds me of when I uh, ended up doing a door to door sales job. And this was probably another moment where I was just like, yo, I- I'm good at talking. I was selling knives, bro, post 9-11. <laughs> I was going door to door as a brown Muslim guy selling <laughs> knives to beautiful white people. And they were looking to buy knives from me. And that story, like, just re- like gave me, like, a big flashback in my head that, like, bro, remember when you were selling knives? And, like, if you can sell knives, you can sell anything. <laughs> that's that's pretty crazy. Like, hey, 9-11 just passed. Uh, there's this Muslim guy at the door selling knives. Do you want to <laughs> <laughs> you want to let him in? You, you want to buy his knives? <laughs> yeah, I was convinced that, like, this was the best job to do because they had a pretty crazy bonus structure and they were like oh you can go to like vancouver if you hit certain targets and right yeah after a while i realized i'm selling knives this is not the way this is not that's right what's gonna get me into into where i want to get to but once again it was that experience in the sense that you're doing something so like unique right yeah and i think that uniqueness of that job has helped me in the sense that we're unique in the fact that we're artists, we're creative people as visible minorities from Pakistan, where, as you know, like being immigrant, being the kids of immigrant parents, they want us to go into medicine, engineering, accounting, whatever. And if you don't do that, you're then considered like a failure. But mm-hmm. all of those things makes our, our journey and our story that much more unique. Exactly. They just want to see you do something that they know works because they've seen it work before. So just go into one of these boxes. Exactly. Um, I know you got to get out of here soon. So I, I want to just, uh, I guess, end off on just this one last note. Um, as we've already identified, you're somebody that's like worked your butt off. You've had to change and grow over the years. Uh, you know, we're in our thirties now. You weren't always where you're at now. And you've learned a lot about yourself and you've achieved a lot in your career and congratulations for that. Likewise. What would you say to the 20 year old Aman or, or another 20 year old Aman or 15 year old who's like, I don't know what to do. I don't really believe in myself. How do you find your passion? How do you do the thing that you want to do? And how do you believe in yourself to go ahead and do that? You have the floor. The one thing that I would say is like, whatever that may be, like we have our doubt is I think a part of life, like you, but you have to look at it in like a holistic, like perspective that whatever we're trying to achieve, I've always told myself that put your best foot forward, like whether that's academically, whether that's through the career path and just shoot your shot. Like as the kids say these days, just shoot it because worst case you miss, but best case something actually works out for yourself. And it's funny from the times that we were trading pogs to NBA collector cards, you have to make that offer to the other person that, hey, I will trade you this for your your thing. 
if you didn't actually make that offer, you wouldn't know if someone would accept it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's like the approach that I, I'm just taking. And I would tell myself at a younger age or, or any, any listener that's in that demographic, that's like still like trying to figure out what they want to do. Just, just try it. Like, obviously like if it's going to take time, then just know that you got to put in the effort. You got to actually commit to it. You got to put in the hours because success is never made overnight. No one looks at the journey, like as far as like Instagram and, and all the social media, they just show you the success. Like the, the grind is real. And like Norman Powell says, you got to understand the grind to get to where you want to get to, but you got to at least start the first step because everybody knows becoming a doctor is hard work, but you got to start somewhere. So it's the same thing, especially in today's day and age. If you want to do something creative, you got to start. And so doubt is always going to be there i have doubts throughout the day through even today but like you got to have that that overwhelming outlook that if i don't do it will i have a will i live with regret and i've always been the, the been the person that i don't want to look at my life when i'm 50 60 if i get to see the day that oh when i was younger when i was in my 30s or 20s i could have done xyz i want to do that shit now so that when i'm down the road when i'm like later in life with you, we can be like, damn, bro. Remember when we did that? Remember, even if it didn't work out, we still did it. That's, that would be like my biggest takeaway and biggest like piece of advice to everyone is that just do it. Like, like Nike says, literally just do it. Cause like, what's, what's the absolute worst that can happen? It doesn't work out. Shit. All right. We refine our message. We refine our work and we try it again. It's like, we shoot our shots in our DMs and all the DMs and all that trying to get a girl. But like at the end of the day, if you didn't shoot that shot, you wouldn't have no idea whether that would actually work or not. So it's like the same thing that I repeat to myself that like apply to that job or apply for this opportunity. Worst case, it doesn't happen, but just, just work on it because, and believe in yourself, man. Cause at the end of the day, like I, I try to like ground myself in the sense that like I have, so much that I have to be appreciative of, but I also won't have so much that I still want to accomplish. So just keep going with it. Be focused with what you want to do. Enjoy the small things, especially to keep yourself like grounded and then just have that universal picture that you want to achieve X, Y, Z, but just, you got to start somewhere, somehow, some way you got to do it. Exactly. And that's actually one of my favorite Jay-Z tracks. Somehow, some way, is it Jay-Z or is it, is it a, is it uh, Beanie Siegel? I think it's Jay-Z. I think it's Jay-Z. <laughs> Somehow, some way, we got to make it up out the hood someday. Aman, 100%. thank you for your time. Likewise, bro. Likewise. Yeah, I really appreciate your time. Uh, appreciate the memories and hoping to build some more with you when we're out of this COVID business. Uh, oh. Vaccines are out. Tons, uh, yeah. yeah. I, you sent me that link today that it's being delivered. That's a topic that we can get into, but like, we another just don't time. have time right now. Yeah, yeah, another time. That that's definitely something we got to get into. Um, if you're working on anything, let us know how we can find you. Um, you, you know how we can find your brother. What what you know what's coming up next for you? Yeah, for sure. You can find us on obviously social media. Mine's uh, undisputed truth eighty seven because obviously the truth, the, anything that I say is in the undisputed truthful fashion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my brother's is uh, Ramon Hamid Studios. I'm sure you'll put it. I'll like, put it. I'll put it down. Yeah. yeah. And uh, do that. just because you're my guy, like uh, I, I decided to dabble in some uh, some creative writing and 
maybe we, we have a show coming out, but let's see what happens. I'd love to like discuss and showcase to the world more about uh, the first world problems and not just um, obviously being a, a Muslim in Canada, but also just being uh, a kid of an immigrant and, and what you all kind of go through, like the differences, but also the similarities of being first generation Canadians. And so um, I think it'd be funny to talk about and funny to show in a, in a comedy drama series, but yeah, the it's all about just just doing cool things, right? And and I love to just uh, continue to do that. And and if this could become obviously our our mo, then that's all it that's all it's about. And yeah, man, like I'm just fortunate and thankful that you took time out of your day, out of your busy day, to to give me some time to to talk. And and hopefully we can do this again. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Got to get you on again and do a nice longer form. Uh, episode talk about the vaccine talk about how uh, you know white supremacy or something like that we can talk about a lot of stuff friend. we can we talk can... a lot about like systematic racism that we people of color even though we're born and raised in canada we go through like we i do still get yeah asked, where are you from when did you come here yeah you don't have an when accident. did you come here yeah and i'm like what <laughs> yeah yeah or the whole um situation at the airport when you're coming into la Oh, that, that's a whole okay. I, let's I, let's let's like yeah. <laughs> that's that's a whole other story that's yeah do you want to tell it do you want to do you have time i got two minutes so like i'll just if make you, it like a quick elevator pitch let's hear it i was told to give my full family's background info from me my siblings my parents my deceased grandparents when we came to pakistan because obviously before 1947 it was just india when did our family come to india they wanted it all. So at some point, CBSA or the U.S. border agents still have that information. This was during the Obama administration. And what's fucked up is that the three times that I've gone to the United States during the Trump administration, not once was I ever asked for additional questions. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, a dude was literally trying to build a wall. He actually asked me when we were coming to LA if I was a terrorist as my last question and I was like floored I was just like uh no what <laughs> I'm just trying to go have fun in LA bro are, are you a terrorist wow what a question legit and I uh, at that time I was working with the government of Canada so uh, I took my ID because that is considered federal government ID so I had to show him, I'm like, bro, like I'm literally you just in an office. I'm an investigator and I'm looking for fraudulent claims on EI. And at that point, he finally clicked, hey, this guy's not a terrorist. He's just a regular person. <laughs> yeah, you are a regular person, but um, cool. All right, Aman, I know you got to go. I don't want to hold okay. you up. I know your wife is there, but uh, thanks for your time, man. Let's chat Anytime, soon. Anytime, bro. Okay, take it easy. Peace. Bye.